0: I'm Miranda Ray Mayo, also known as Mr. Mayo. I play Stella Kid on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's.
1: You're standing next to me, no, you're family. And to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride.
0: Happy Friday, ShyHards. Welcome to episode 150 of Meet Us at Molly's. Bryna, 150!
1: I know. It's kind of crazy, especially when you think about the fact that we're getting ready to come up on three years, too. It's kind of nuts.
0: Soon, too. At least September 1st. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah,
1: September 1st. The
0: podcast is going to be three.
1: I know. We're out of the terrible
0: twos, Gina. I know. Now we're into being three-nagers, but I think we've always been three-nagers, so let's be real. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So uh, today we are going to cover Chicago Med Season 2, Episode 17. This is called Monday Morning. This is going to be a very free-flowing, open, honest discussion. We're going to have a really just open talk. And so we don't really know what the next hour and a half, two hours is going to bring. We're just going to talk and kind of see what happens because – feelings that's how we roll that's how and we that's roll how we roll that's how we roll so uh in terms of news there is not a ton tv insider dropped an article that was sent to us by a listener on wednesday morning uh talking about six new characters they would like to see brought in to chicago pd and i mean they're all characters that we've been like yes please yes please so um the article talked about a new patrol officer like you know what burgess used to be um, oh, yeah. Or a new desk sergeant or somebody like Mouse. I mean, if they just want to bring Mouse back, I'd be cool with that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Eh.
1: Eh, not, not I a will lot. say I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet, but it does kind of tie into our conversation when I was just literally like 20 minutes ago scrolling through my Instagram stories. I saw that Daniel Kyrie did an interview with I don't remember the publication. And it was talking about, like, him and his anxiety and, like, COVID and how that's really affected him and just, like, obviously mental health in the black community. And so I will try to tweet that out in the next, well, you know, at some point mm-hmm. um, in the next, like, 24, 48 hours. So if you guys haven't read that, I haven't read it yet. So, like don't really know what he talks about i just know that that's like the general gist of what the interview was so
0: okay yeah definitely definitely tweet that out so we don't really have any news other than that because it's pandemic day like 6048 it's like august 73rd i don't even Although, know
1: didn't filming in chicago tweet that not necessarily the chicago shows but that season four of fargo is supposedly starting to film in chicago in the next like week or so
0: yeah Yeah, uh, Fargo is the first like big big show to resume filming in Chicago.
1: That's exciting because hopefully that means we can start filming soon. Soon and like at the end of September, like is rumored. I miss seeing the
0: behind the scenes stuff, like the Instagram stories and the tweets and like the TikToks from Miranda and Daniel.
1: I miss and it's so funny because so I was just telling you about like a little bit of my work stuff that I've been doing prior to this and the property manager that I work with like she's a really big one Chicago fan and we were talking about my podcast on my way out today and she was like Bryna she's like I just hope you let them know that they need to start filming back because I'm tired of these reruns I need new episodes like now and she's someone who's not on like one Chicago fandom or anything she's not on the social media so for the fact that she was saying this I was like yes everyone is just ready for it now yeah
0: I'm ready I'm, I, yeah i mean we say this every episode but it's completely true like i just i, I miss
1: everybody i know yeah. i yeah i'm i'm just ready for new episodes of anything and i miss when they would post stuff while they're
0: filming and then we'd all just kind of start guessing random shit that it could possibly be and then we see how far off we are and laugh about it i uh i just miss it no. all. i know i know so, so ho- hopefully we can come back soon that would be fantastic fantastic yeah. So, again, that's about all the news we've got. If you see anything, please send it to us. We try to keep track of as much as we can. But, you know, in this day and age, it's just our brains can only fit so much information, right? So, yes, Mm -hmm. send it to us if you see it. You guys are really good about that. We appreciate it. So, shall we move into the episode? Let's do it. Okay, so this episode, this is, again, Chicago Med, Season 2, Episode 17, called Monday Morning. To put this into layman's terms or in Friends episode terms, this is the one where the doctor dies by suicide.
1: Yeah. You always talk about this episode, and honestly, I kind of forgot about it. And I'm really mad at myself that I did because this is a really well-done and important episode. But I literally forgot about it.
0: I still could have sworn that we've already covered it, but neither one of us could find it in our history.
1: No, we've never covered it, but I think it's because we've covered a lot of other Chicago Med season two. Like we've covered, I think I want to say like 219, 222, <laughs> 2 whatever. Like we've covered a lot of season two, so I think maybe you just thought we did, but I know for a fact that we never covered this.
0: I just like so clearly remember talking about this episode in detail, but then again, I've yeah, I. it's probably been in other episodes. I'm just so surprised we haven't covered this one yet.
1: Yeah, it's an important one. Like I said, I completely forgot about it.
0: Yeah, so the suggestion for this episode came to us from a listener. Her username is ExtraordinaryGirl116. Um, thank you for the suggestion. This was definitely one that we were like, oh, yeah, good one. So we definitely appreciate that. And it's a very important thing to talk about. Especially right now, given the climate of the, the given the the world that we're in right now, it's more important than ever to address it. So um, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. I'm, I'm glad we're I'm glad we're talking about it. So, OK, so we start the episode and we've got Dr. Wheeler. We've seen him come in and out uh, briefly like we haven't really seen him a ton up to up until this point. My question for you, if you remember this, you may not, is this, is this kind of like a Jimmy Edwards type thing where, like, he was in and out in previous episodes and we saw him briefly and then it just culminated in this?
1: I want to say yes. I have to obviously go back and watch the first 16 episodes of season two to, like, confirm. I want to say yes. I want to say you see him here and there, mm-hmm. like you said, and then obviously it leads up and you're like, oh, yeah, that was that guy. But I don't really remember because there was definitely a chunk of season two that I'm pretty sure I still haven't seen yet. I also
0: just want to say that it took me seven minutes to make a One Tree Hill reference. So let's just clock that. That might be the fastest One Tree Hill reference in pod history. (laughs)
1: Love it. So
0: yeah, we see Doctor Wheeler. He walks through the hospital. He's all smiles. He's saying good morning to everybody, and he just acknowledges everybody. He's like, "Hey, Will. Hey, Connor. Miss Connor, by the way. Um, hey, Maggie. Hi, everybody. Whatever." And Maggie's like, "You've got a patient." He's like, "Cool. I'll be right there." Goes up to the tenth floor, and you see him walk out onto the balcony, basically, which is where Nat and Connor basically like had their first interaction in the pilot. And it's just so, it's smooth. He just, he walks out there, he steps up on the railing, and we see it from the back, and he just steps and disappears.
1: And that's the cold open. It's chilling. What I, yeah, I was going to say, I think what makes it even more chilling is the fact that there's not really any background music, too. Like, it's all pretty much silent, besides, obviously, people talking. Mm -hmm. Um, And then especially when you get to that scene with him on the roof, there's, like, nothing else happening, and no music, no noise, really. And so it's it it just adds to the moment and yeah. makes you, like, oh, yeah. And the whole sequence, it's practically a one
0: A one is just a real fancy word for, you know, it, it's like that when they- t- One shot. One shot. Completely one shot. The Night Shift did it once. Um,
1: yeah, I think with, a lot of shows have done it.
0: Yeah. Um, the entire movie, 1917, is a one The entire movie.
1: So just- well, and West Wing's really known for it too, mm-hmm. for oneers.
0: Yeah. So they structured this practically like a one-there's only one point where it cuts, which is when he's in the elevator, but it's just one thing. He just walks in, he walks up, and he's gone. And that's it. And it's it's brief, it's sudden, it's shocking, but that's I mean, that's how it is. It it happens I, like that. That is how it
1: happens. Well, and so something I was telling you a little bit kind of before we started recording, um, when I was up, when I was downstairs making my breakfast this morning for work, I was talking to my dad and I asked him, I was like, hey, dad, I have a question for you. Like, I'm just curious, like, did you know anyone when you were a resident or a medical student or whatever, like that took his own life? Uh, and my dad was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, really? And he was like, oh, yeah. And like, just like it was like, duh, like, did you really ask me that question? Um, and he told me a story about a guy he knew when he was a medical student. So the guy was a resident. My dad was a medical student. Um, so this was back in the (laughs) early eighties. Um, and who very similarly did the same thing. It was a combo of like stuff, the pressure he felt in the hospital and stuff going on in his real life. But my dad said that like one day it just kind of all culminated and he went up very similarly to this, like went up to the roof and jumped off and that was that. Um, but it but this—the fact—it was like kind of really startling to me that, like, when my dad said that this morning, he was like, "Oh yeah, definitely," and I was like, "Really?" And he was like, "Oh yeah," and I was just like, it just like really hit me this morning. I was like, "Wow." So casually. Yeah, and like, like he was like, "Yeah," like, like again, like just like he, of course, he knew someone. Of course, like that was a thing that happened. Um, yeah, it was just.
0: I I actually do have a classmate, um, a law school classmate who took his own life a few years ago. We've been out of law school now almost a decade, which is bananas to me. But that's oh, that's another point. But <laughs> I have a colleague who, you know, he was making his Facebook post. Everything seemed completely normal. And then the next thing we knew the next day, his wife made a Facebook post and was like, we lost him. And a couple days later, you know, my classmates and I, we, you know, um, when you're an attorney, you, you can look certain things up. And we, we found out that he had died by suicide and it was just shocking. It was just like, he was here one minute and then he's gone the next. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. And it's so, it's interesting to me that we're doing this episode at this point of the month because two years ago on the 18th, no, the 17th, I'm sorry. Two years ago on the 17th, my friend Mark died by suicide and he is the reason why If you, you might have heard me talk at some point about the fact that I have a tattoo of a bomb pop on my leg with two other friends and we match. Uh, and that's because we lost Mark and Mark and the three of us had had it was a very it was an inside joke where we called ourselves Team Bomb Pop. But the three of us got that tattoo to remember him. And when something happens like that, you just stop in your tracks and you're just kind
1: of frozen for yeah couple weeks
0: yeah it's
1: it's It's, it's hard to wrap your mind around too like I even more recently there was a doctor who used to work at my dad's office um and I didn't know him that well because he worked like at that point we had two locations so he worked at the location that I didn't work at or that my dad didn't work at um but he gosh this was I want to say three years ago now I mean he killed himself too like in the middle of you know I had not ever been busier like all those things like was in the height of his like career and he killed himself too although I think that was maybe a little more personal not necessarily all the stuff professionally but still it was and that was like a whole thing and my mom and I like I remember talking to my mom about him being like what the world like is that did that really happened like and this is a guy who I didn't even really know that well but I was like wow like I can't believe that actually happened.
0: I remember in the weeks after Mark died, just my brain just kept going over the same things. And one of the things that I just kept saying to myself was like, I really wish I had known that he was hurting. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it goes back to you. You always see the quotes on Instagram and stuff that say, like, you know, everybody's fighting a battle you know nothing about. And, yeah, to a certain point, it's like, okay, whatever. It's just Instagram inspirational quotes. But to another point, I mean, it's entirely true.
1: Right. Yeah, definitely. I think, like you said, like, on the one hand, they make those, like, pretty typography-type pictures for, like, a curated social media feed. But, like you said, there is a lot of truth to that, too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why it's always so important to, like, check in on your friends and check in on their mental health and see how they're doing. Um, Especially in a time like this when 2020 is, like just out of this world. I don't know what's happening sometimes, but it's yeah. Even when it's not a crazy pandemic, a crazy election, a crazy everything, it's still just as important to check in on your friends.
0: It is. It is. And even I'll admit that I've been lacking there just because of, you know, yeah. every, you know, my, my own head, but it's, yeah, it's just so it's, it's important. And I mean, this episode does a really good job of addressing what a lot of people feel in the aftermath. Um, And it's a lot of questions, a lot of confusion, you know, um, we'll dive into
1: that. I was going to say, yeah, real quick, before we get into that part too, like I think one of the things that I really liked the most about this episode was how at a, a different point in the episode, each character, each one of our main characters checked in with Dr. Charles or Dr. Charles checked in with them and they were all kind of like, they each had their moment to express whatever they were thinking And I just thought that was so well done, and the way it was all laid out in the episode, I thought it was really, I really liked it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. I feel like I didn't appreciate this episode enough when it aired, and rewatching this was actually kind of cathartic.
1: Yeah. Also, I feel like now's the right time to throw in that this episode, the story was by our friend Jeff, and Danny Weiss, and Paul Peary, and then the teleplay was by Jeff and Danny Weiss, so... Good job, Jeff, because this is a great episode.
0: Jeff is such a nice, like, positive guy. And then he writes these episodes that are just, like, a total gut punch. Yeah, I know. You remember that episode of Fire it's... when uh the guy that Herman was, like, there was like, some firefighter that mm-hmm. he was fighting with. And then, like, he died. And then he played basketball with the kid.
1: Yeah, and Jeff wrote that one, too. That was Jeff's Fire episode, Fire writing debut i don't know if you call it a debut but you know what i mean
0: yeah and i think it was just that one scene where Derek had handed it to jeff and was like bring it home and then jeff was like okay i'll just make you sob
1: oh yeah
0: that's a killer oh man man so basically we start we get a brief jay cameo hi jay hey
1: like literally so brief like he doesn't even say any words he's just like looking at the ground and like write some things down and (laughs) that's it yeah Hey, Jay, we miss you. What's up? Hope you're doing okay. Wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: yeah, so everyone's shaken. Goodwin kind of gives like a speech to the group and she's just like, you know, hey, this is crazy. If anybody wants to go home, if you don't want to stay, that's okay. There's zero judgment, like none. And in comes Ethan. And it's interesting to see how everybody reacts differently because Ethan's way of reacting is to put up the blinders. And almost numb himself, dare I say.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. But it's also really interesting, too, because, like, I want to say Ethan is the worst in this episode, right? Because I hate everything about the way that he acts in this episode. But I'm not going to say that only because everybody has the right to feel whatever they're feeling and react whatever way they want to. I mean, obviously, you can't go out a- That doesn't mean you can go around and commit murder just because you're in your feelings or something like that. But like, you know what I mean? Like, within reason, everyone has the right to feel however they're feeling. And so I may not vibe with this particular way that Ethan is reacting, but, like, he has every right to feel how he's feeling.
0: He does. I feel like this is the only time in show history where I've ever understood where Ethan was coming from.
1: I don't know if I'd go that far, but yes, definitely one of the few times for sure.
0: Yeah. So Ethan's just like, listen, the way we get through this is to stay normal as possible. Like we just keep charging ahead and Goodwin's like, yeah, okay. So Ethan just is like, he just takes the lead and he's like, you're going here, you're going there, you're doing this. He pulls Sarah off of Dr. Charles's service and onto his And, yeah, he just kind of starts, like, he deploys the troops, basically.
1: What I can't remember is, at this moment, is Ethan chief resident? I don't
0: think so, because of the confrontation that he has with Will later on.
1: So what about that makes you think he's not chief resident? Yeah, I don't, well, about that moment? No, but isn't Will already, isn't Will ahead of Ethan? Oh, I
0: think so. Never mind, I might have confused myself. Yeah, I might but have confused at
1: this myself. Moment, isn't he chief resident? I mean, like isn't that why like that's I think, right? I think so. Okay. But I then like, like does he does he outrank Maggie? I don't know. And that's something I am curious about too is like obviously Maggie's HBIC like <laughs> charge nurse like, you know, I wouldn't mess with her, but like in terms of like a resident or a medical student, like who outranks who? I don't know.
0: I also feel that Ethan outranking Maggie is kind of ridiculous because if Ethan gives Maggie orders, Maggie's going to be like, yeah, that's wrong. And we're going to do it this way. And then well, and she kind of like,
1: was like that. And yeah. she, that's kind of why I was asking too, was that, you know, she kind of gives him a look like, really? Like, <laughs> you're going to tell me, okay, guess this is how it's happening. But, you yeah, know, that's one how of it's those ones. Yeah.
0: So Ethan's patient is a kid who fell down the stairs and he's got some stomach pain. He's been a little clumsy lately. Ethan's like, okay, whatever. We're just going to run tests, like moving on. Natalie and Noah take a kid who fell into an icy river. And Sarah takes care of the guy who jumped in after him. This is one of those instances where they like weave this story together with like the patient's story kind of echoing what the doctors are feeling this is woven together beautifully beautifully mm-hmm. so with the kid you know it, it's like the dead of winter so all the bypass machines and the warmers and things they need they can't have it because it's all upstairs so what they do is they rotate and they do compressions for five minutes each for like 90 minutes it's just it's like a, it's like a cpr relay crazy yeah
1: and i've only done cpr in dummies (laughs) Uh, and that was and for like 30 seconds and that was still a lot so the fact that you can do it for five minutes in shifts for 90 minutes just sounds insane to me
0: please remind everyone of who was coaching you through that
1: uh nick gelfis himself (laughs) and brian and brian but yes nick and brian brian t and nick gelfis
0: I imagine if you're going to learn CPR from anybody, Nick Gelfus is probably the one to learn it from because he's just so funny.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But, yeah, still crazy that that was a thing that happened in my life, but yes. You're like, so that
0: happened. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, so Sarah's patient is completely fine. He's got coronary artery disease. I Okay, we say he's completely fine, but he did have a heart attack after he jumped in after this kid.
1: Also, I wanted to say, like, th- And all of that. TBT to Sarah. I know. TBT to Reese. Yeah. Like, I literally forgot she existed. And then she popped up and I was like, oh yeah, that was a whole three seasons of stuff.
0: Okay, I'm just going to out and say it based on what happened in this episode, okay? I'm just going to say it. Sarah Reese deserved better.
1: She did, and I'm going to save it till we get there. Because I may have like a slightly hot take, but it's not really a hot take. I don't know. We'll save it for when we get there.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So the guy who jumped in after this kid, he had a heart attack. Um, But aside from that, I mean, he's got coronary artery disease, but I mean, it could have been so much worse. So, so much worse. So then we shift over and we get a Wrongstead scene, y'all. I forgot they happened until Bryna rewatched it and sent me that all caps text just being like,
1: Wrongstead! Yeah, well, like, okay, I kind of forgot they happened. I remember that, like, when they were kind of going there, it was at the end of season two, or when they thought they might go there, it was the end of season two. I did not realize we were getting a scene of that in this episode, but, like, that's a whole thing. Like, I really forgot they went that far with it. I, It's, like, crazy. (laughs) I can't help but
0: watch these scenes, and I still, to this day, I watch these scenes between them, and I'm like, the fuck was this?
1: Well, I can't help but watch it and think of what Jeff, and, like what Jeff told us that like they almost actually went there, like they almost really went there, and like that to me is like, I mean, obviously they clearly almost went there, but like they were really considering it, and like that still blows my mind. Y'all, you know, Jay and Will would have been
0: actual brothers and Eskimo brothers. <laughs> I can't,
1: I can't. <laughs> yeah, but like this is also like. So the whole scene, like, the way it's set up is, like, Jay sees Natalie and, like, goes over and, like, for no reason starts a conversation about, like, just wanting to check in with her and see how she's doing. So this is, like, a whole semi-flirty scene. And I just, I can't. Like, the fact that this happened, I can't.
0: So season two of M.E.D. was season three of, no, no, hold on. Yeah, season two of M.E.D. was season three of P.D. No? No.
1: Yeah, I think season so. Two of, no, season two of Med is season four of PD.
0: We're going into five. Oh, you are right. You are right. Oh my god! So like the couch episode had already happened and everything.
1: Yeah, Lin said is broken up at this point. God damn it! I forgot about that. I tried That's why it can happen. That's why it kind of almost happened. I block it out of Lin-set my mind. Is not together this
0: the Lindstedt breakup was bullshit, and I will take every opportunity I have to say that, so...
1: Um. Well, so okay, can we just put this in context real quick? <laughs> this happens. Jay and Lindsay are not together, clearly. But then Jay's over here flirting with Natalie, but then also goes and, like, tries to propose to Aaron at the end of season four of PD. So, like, which is which? Was he into Natalie or was he into Aaron? <laughs> Pull it know. together,
0: Jay! Pull it together! <laughs> <laughs>
1: Also, TBT. Remember when Jeff told us that they filmed that actually, actually filmed like the Blackhawks game scene?
0: Yes, yes. And I will go on record <laughs> by saying that is a deleted scene. I never want to see um, the deleted scene. I'd
1: be curious, but like, I don't know.
0: So there's a deleted scene in two ten of PD when Burgess is shot. There's a deleted scene where Atwater goes to visit her in the hospital. I will always want to see that deleted scene. Wrongstead at the Blackhawks game. I'm good. I'm good. I don't need it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just, oh, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. It was... And like, was this the first moment? I don't remember. Like, was there wrong set happening before this? I think so. I Yeah, because it was just like
0: fleeting little one-bitty scenes. This, I want to say that there might have been, but I also think this might
1: have been the first one. I want to say maybe, if anything, this is probably the r- first scene of significance.
0: You know how the we just... Set. You know how we just said that things could have been a lot worse for Sarah's patient? Things could have been a lot worse with Jay and Natalie.
1: Yeah. What if season th- Oh my god. Season 3 Natalie and Will obviously get together. What if it had been Jay? Like what if season 3 had been the season of <laughs> Jay and Natalie? Oh like, god. And, like, season three is the only good Manstead stuff. So, like, we could have been gifted of Manstead and gotten Wrongstead instead. Let's well, also
0: remember that season three in that case would have just literally been Will, like, brooding in the corner. Every scene with Jay would have Will just walking by in the corner, like, giving him, like, the angry side eye. You mean like he was in the back half of season four? will would not have handled it well okay like he he wouldn't have he wouldn't have handled it well. uh, he wouldn't have told jay he just would have been jealous and like taking it out on him oh man what could have been thank what god we been? did not go that way
1: anyway just had to throw it in there it really served no significant point but like we can't not have a jay and nat semi-flirty scene and not talk about it
0: but it was like awkward flirty it was like hey nat it's awkward pause weird. yeah hey jay awkward <laughs> pause bad day awkward pause like
1: <laughs> it's just like mind-blowing
0: mm-hmm. it's mind-blowing happened. that's mind-blowing to me and it's also mind-blowing about the blackhawks game also never mind that like will will had first dibs on those tickets jay was gonna take will jay knows that will and that have history and like like bro code yeah i yeah Face yeah. palm. Facepalm times a thousand. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So Will comes to consult on Ethan's case. Remember, Ethan's got the kid with the stomach pains. Will comes in to consult, which is kind of a recipe for disaster. I think in normal terms, really, because Ethan,
1: something I realized after rewatching this episode, Ethan doesn't play well with others. Not really. Although I will say, though, this episode, I was reminded. How refreshing it is to see pairings that aren't couples. Like, yes. we've now kind of gotten into this pattern of like Ethan and April working together, Natalie and Will, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And like, it's really refreshing to see like Ethan and Will and Natalie and Noah and whatever. Like, all those. Connor pairings. and Sarah. Like, it's very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Connor and Sarah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so Will totally agrees. He's like, yeah, there's no neurological reason why this kid fell. Ethan still wants to run more tests. So, Ethan's getting a little like the blinders are up and he is just full steam ahead. He's kind of the Natalie in this episode. He's the one who's like, I'm charging ahead. I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. Like, we're just going. And so, Sharon is tasked in this episode. She's walking around and she's just kind of asking everybody if Dr. Wheeler had any issues, any conflicts with staff. And all Maggie can really add is that he was losing his confidence, which I don't remember in the episodes leading up to this if we saw any
1: of that. I want to say we probably didn't see a lot of it just because Dr. Wheeler was not a main character. Mm -hmm. But I want to say, again, I want to say that we saw maybe like little tiny bits of it, but I don't remember. I don't remember either.
0: Oh, and I hate that I don't remember. But season two was what, like four years ago now? Yes, yeah, season two was the first season I watched live. Man. Goodness. So, Ethan and Will's patient all of a sudden can't move. And so, I mean, obviously, the go to answer there everybody's like, yeah, it's totally a stroke. But the CT's negative. Will wants to get an MRI, but Ethan is just like full steam ahead. It's a stroke. We have to give the meds. Like, we have to go now. And Will's like, no, hang on. Like, wait. And they go with the MRI, but Ethan is just pissed at this point, and he just gives Will a glare. It's just like, whatever.
1: Like, such a side eye, though. Like, that moment when Ethan walks away, as he's like walking away, he gives Will that glare. Like, where is the gif of that? Like, that is like such a gifable moment. Why do we not have a gif of that?
0: It is a perfectly executed side eye. I would give it a
1: 10.0. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's on point.
0: Mm-hmm. We really need to make learn how to make gifs. I know. But, like, the minute we do it, our productivity is just going to go out the window.
1: I know. I know the not as pretty, like, I know, like, a very basic, basic, basic way to do it, but I don't know how to make them pretty, and I don't know how to, like, get them, like, as fast as people have them moving, so.
0: My friend Melanie knows how to make them, and she's explained it to me about 20 times, and every time she does, it just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. I actually need to, like, sit down and listen. Cause You need to get her to
1: make you, like, a video tutorial. Yes. Good idea.
0: Good idea. Yeah. Melanie, please get on that. Yes. Also, we miss you. Um, She's a friend of yeah. the pod. She's been on before. Um, She did the house episode with me. That's Melanie. That's our Melanie. So, yeah, they go with the MRI. And Dr. Troy leaves. And Dr. Abrams just makes a comment to Will. And he's like, hey, like, I'm sorry about your resident. And, you know... Like, he he's like, yeah, I mean, did you ever consider it during med school? And Will's just like, no. What? No. And he's really surprised to hear that Dr. Abrams had. And so he's like, you thought about it? And Dr. Abrams just says, of course, didn't you? And. Yeah. This is something we don't talk about enough in society. And I don't want to sit here and be like normalized talking about suicide, but also, we need to normalize talking about the dark places that our brains go to in times of everything. Yeah. 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 That is something that this episode really highlights too, is that everybody's walking around so surprised, just so shell shocked, but also it's because talking about feelings and talking about everything, it's completely taboo. And, It's time it's not Taboo anymore.
1: And I will say, too, I think we've come a long way. I mean, obviously, there's still a long way to go. But I think we've come a really long way since this episode first aired in 2017. Yeah. Like, I think we've come a long way with how we talk about mental health in the last three years. But I think we still have a long way to go, too.
0: So I will admit this, because remember, we said this was going to be an open, honest conversation, and we didn't really know where it was going, is that there are times where, you know, one's brain can get to that super bad place. And, I mean, there have been times where I haven't told my therapist things just because I was afraid of all the alarm bells it was going to set off, and that is what we need to get away from, is – You know, I think we we need to make more places and more people safe for people to talk to so that they can share whatever's on their mind. So, I mean, and here I'm just being straight up honest. I had a terrible panic attack last week and the only, I have one friend who I felt comfortable going to and sharing everything with and just explaining where I was at mentally. Everybody else, I was too afraid. I was like, no, they're not going to get it. Alarm bells are going to go off in their head and it's just not going to process to them the way that it should. And so, yeah, this just needs to it needs to be something that we talk about and we normalize without judgment, with no stigma and just needs to be safe. I mean, I don't know. Am I getting so boxy? I'm going to shut up and drink my wine for a second.
1: No, but I think everything you said is true. Like, I, I mean, I think you said it perfectly. It might be a little so boxy, but who cares?
0: <laughs> Brian and I share. A brain. I don't. she gets me. Yeah, I. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And 2016, not necessarily 2017, when this aired. 2016, I went through probably my most major depressive episode. Did Did anything I just say make grammatical sense? Yes. Okay. okay good. Uh, I yeah, think. And oh, whatever. I knew what you meant. Okay. <laughs> good. Good. Um, and I mean, the only thing that snapped me out of it was meds, medication. I mean, gave me my life yeah. back. And so and that's something that has a stigma, too. And it just that it's, it's got to go like stigma and shame and all this stuff and judgment. It's just got to go
1: like, yeah. I think the perfect like if anyone needs like honestly, just go listen to uh from crazy ex-girlfriend go listen to antidepressants are so not a big deal like that is just like everything about this that like, is an
0: emmy award-winning song emmy award-winning yeah. song about taking your medication yeah.
1: yeah or a diagnosis i think either one of those is like that's a good one as well yeah yeah
0: bless crazy ex-girlfriend for like normalizing that
1: yeah well and the fact that you like i mean like kind of what i'm talking about like when in terms of normalizing it like that's a song i sing in my car like i sang that song in the, on the, like in my car on the way to work the other day
0: mm-hmm.
1: like just belted it yeah. you know yeah but yeah
0: thank god for crazy ex-girlfriend and thank god for you're the worst that's another show that tackled depression head on
1: i haven't watched that
0: uh the early seasons are actually pretty good um i actually didn't finish yeah it i know better. you've talked
1: about it a yeah. lot um i just haven't watched it
0: Yeah, cut to me at ATX being a bumbling idiot in the SFA bar trying to talk to Stephen Falk, not knowing what to say. You know, I was just like, oh, my God, the depression storyline was so good. He's like, cool. Where are you from? It was just, yeah. Anyway, um, I just, that that line when Abrams is like, when they actually finally talk about it and they say the S word, they say suicide. Like, that's big to me because it's just something that, you know, when you say the S word, it's like saying Voldemort. And everybody's like, (gasps) I don't know. Yeah. So box off. Sorry. Okay. so Connor consults on Sarah's patient and he's got, you know, three vessel disease. Connor just recommends doing an artery bypass graft because Connor, he's just like, yay, surgery. But Sarah asks, you know, what went through your head when you jumped in? You know, like what's going on? And I will say this, okay, the reason I say that Sarah Reese deserved better is because everybody neglected this girl's feelings. Everybody, except for Connor in this episode. But any other episode outside of that, anytime she had any sort of feeling, everybody was just like, carry on, moving on, nothing to see here.
1: I think it's hard because, like, I really don't. And I still, like, I mean, this episode, like, I really liked Sarah in this episode. I still really don't like Sarah as a character. Mm -hmm. But I agree with what you're saying. And I will say this. For this one episode, this one episode, I can see why people ship Sarah and Connor as hard as they did. Like, why people in the One Chicago fandom ship them.
0: Ooh. Ooh.
1: I don't see the chemistry. I don't see. I'm, like, again... I didn't say I shipped them. I said I can see why people ship them. Okay. Because, like, clearly, I think if they had really wanted to go there, I think they could have worked towards something. Like, there was enough of it in this episode where I think I could have seen where that could have had the potential to go. Mm-hmm. I agree. I don't know if I would have shipped it had they gone there. Um, but I it, there was moments where I was like, yeah, like, Connor actually took – like listen to Sarah and like realize what she was going through and like actually helped her, which is something that really never happened. Um, again, I have a lot of problems with Sarah as a character in the other rest of the episode she was in, but I do, like I said, so I do understand why people did ship Connor and Sarah.
0: But and also, I mean, I I get that you know you didn't really like her as a character, but also you know she's the young one. In these early seasons, she's the baby of the group, aside from Noah. Right. But I mean, when you're in your mid 20s, which you are right now, like you just I don't know, you need help navigating certain feelings and certain emotions. Right. And I mean, I can tell you right now that I, I had anxiety for a long time before I got like diagnosed with it. And I go back frequently now in my head and I'm like, that was anxiety. That was anxiety. And like, if I had had somebody there to just talk to or like help me kind of navigate, it would have just been so helpful. And Sarah did not have that in any situation during her time at med aside from this one episode when she did have anxiety. The time she passed out with Will's patient, Will was just like, are you okay?"
1: And Will and Sarah was just like, yeah, I'm good. Moving on. Nothing ever happened. Yeah, but I think, again, like, one of the reasons I think I don't really like Sarah is because, like, I don't agree with the way she was written 90% of the time. Yeah, totally um, fair. So, I and, like, Sarah's just always, again, like, I literally forgot Sarah existed. And I think Sarah was honestly ruined by her dad, the dad storyline, at the end, like, the way she left. Like, yeah. I think that ruined her completely. Like, any, like, good moment she had just kind of went out the door with that. Um, So.
0: yeah. That was, like, the Connor exit before the Connor exit happened, where she was, like, so much bad shit has happened. I'm out. Like, peace.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sarah deserved better. She really did. She really did. But Connor, thank God he's, like, next to her in this moment, because he's just, like, are you okay? Like, what's happening? And she's, like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Which is another thing that we need to, like, not normalize is just, like, yeah. Everybody says that. They're like, no, I'm fine. Don't worry. Move on.
1: What I like that Connor actually, like, again, kind of what you're talking about, like, Connor actually picked up on the fact that, like, she said she's fine, but she's not clearly fine.
0: You know what else dawned on me in this moment, too, is that the reason Connor is, like, the reason Connor has the instinct to ask and stuff, he's been through this before. Yeah. With his mom. And that didn't hit me until, like, after that, when he's like, are you okay? And he finally takes the moment to, like, talk to her. I was like, oh, my God, wait, this is not his first rodeo. Like, oh, yeah, shit. Yeah, but, like,
1: you and I put that together. But they never bring that up. Like, ever, ever, ever do they bring that up. Like, I mean, we obviously learned about it. But, like, they never talk about it. Like, that would have been a great thing to bring up in this episode. Yeah. But they don't.
0: Yeah. Yeah no you're totally right I feel like they only really hinted that in season one and then like move on from it
1: yeah and I want to say maybe Connor's dad brings it up in the time of Ava again like once or twice but yeah they don't really talk about it ever is that what we're gonna like we're, are we
0: gonna call like that era that season like the love in the time of Ava
1: love you say love I say love I don't know what word I
0: murder think. in it's the not- time of Ava
1: Yeah, you say love. I say something completely different than love. Definitely not love.
0: Well, there's the title of the Lifetime movie right there.
1: (laughs) We need to make that a shirt, really.
0: Love and murder in the time of Ava.
1: (laughs) With like a scalpel and some blood splatter. Like that's (laughs) really the shirt we need to make. (laughs) Oh my goodness.
0: Yes, yes. Rest in peace, Cornelius (laughs) Rhodes.
1: Uh,
0: I miss Connor, okay? I miss him. He deserved better too. Dang it.
1: Yeah, that's well. That's a different soapbox. We'll get on it. That's a different I mean, we rant have been, for another but, time. Yeah. 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 So Natalie's patient's
0: mom comes in, accuses the dad of being a bad father. That's like a throwaway moment. Whatever. What I really want to rant about is this next part. So Tate comes to meet April for lunch, but he can't. She, like she can't have lunch because she's swamped trying to like save people's lives. Right, dude. I've said this a million times before, but hey, Tate's in this episode, so I'm taking the opportunity to say it again. Dude, fuck Tate. He was the worst.
1: I know. It It just makes me mad every time I see him. And it makes me mad, too, for in the very beginning when Tate was, like, getting to know April and stuff. Like, actually being like, oh, that could be cute. In the very beginning, like it was a whole thing where it's like, oh, like maybe this could have potential. Like, ooh, he's a football player. Ooh, this is kind of cool. Whatever. And then like now, I'm like, why did I ever think that? Most toxic <laughs> med character ever. Nah. no, only because I think Ava is, and we didn't spend as much time as Tate. I think it's a lot. I think it's a lot to give him the title of ever. Yeah, but like he wanted
0: April to be his handmaid. It was like Handmaid's Tale before that show even came out.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, listen, just, it is, and, like, I agree, like, I don't, th- I think the way he was kind of trying to force April into being something she clearly wasn't is not cool, but, like, I also can't, just because it's not the way, what I believe in doesn't mean that, like, some people aren't completely happy being in the stereotypical gender roles with, like, the Wife at home, you know, taking mm-hmm. care of the house while the dad goes out and you know is the breadwinner for the family. Like some people are completely happy like that, and mm-hmm. as long as it is a healthy relationship and both people have agreed that they're happy with those goals, like I can't fault them for that. Yeah. So that's what Tate wants. Like I can't be mad at him for that. I don't like the way that he obviously forced April into that when she wasn't. That's what what she wanted. And that's where I think the toxic from comes from, toxicity comes from. Ava is just a whole other level of toxic. Yeah. And so for me, that's why Ava will always be the most toxic character. I think if they come up with a character that is even more toxic than her, that, we have some issues. Yeah. 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 This is live New update, news updates in the middle of the podcast, guys. <laughs> um, our friend Jennifer just sent us a link to a thread from Filming in Chicago, and it says, One Chicago update. The situation, situation is fluid. In the past 48, 48, I've been given four separate start dates for fire, all in late September, October. Obviously, they can't all be right. What's clear is that the shows are all starting to crew up. That's good news. But remember, Fargo starts this week, and everyone is waiting to see how that goes before they commit to getting the other shows up and running. Some COVID-related folks are already working already. Um, we expect other crew to start working in the next two to three weeks. What does all of this mean? Let's say they start all three shows by early October. They need roughly six weeks to get a show on air. Maybe if they can keep the schedule, they can be on the air for November sweeps. It makes sense, but everything has to go right to keep that schedule. If they can't make that date, probably looking at holding back the shows for 2021, either a short season or run the full slate of 20 plus episodes without any break. Blah blah blah. Um, in addition to health and safety issues, there are hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. First location sets are going to be very different. No hanging out and taking photos with cast. Sorry, but that's the way it'll be. Wait, breaking news. Yeah, I know. Crazy. How's
0: that for a live news update? I know. Crazy. All right. Well, cool. I I, I had a feeling that that was going to come, but, like, you can't go to set anymore. Like, I had a feeling that was going to happen, but, you know.
1: Yeah, me too. And, like, I mean, I will say as much of a bummer as that is, like, if it means we get our shows back, I will gladly take it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You guys, I mean... We got to keep everybody safe, right? There's no show without our cast and crew. We got to keep everybody safe. So, yeah. Cool. We now return you to your regular scheduled program. (laughs) So, okay. We can't necessarily be mad at Tate for wanting what he wants. You are correct. But we can be mad at him for how he treats April in this moment
1: no definitely a hundred percent because it is the worst it is so bad he's such a
0: dick yeah
1: like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm swamped at work and can't answer your text right now like sorry sorry I mean- you had to drive all the way across town to come meet me your fiance for lunch i'm sorry
0: it's not like she works in an office and she's in front of a computer all day. Homegirl works in a packed hospital. And you know this because you met her while she was treating your son.
1: But even if she did work in an office, even if she did work in an office and was still swamped and sitting at a computer and like on the phones, you can't always have your phone out. Right. Like, totally possible that she couldn't have through them too. But yeah, it's just it's so stupid.
0: And then even when she's like, yeah, whatever, you win, moving on. He still chastises her more. He's like, that's a terrible response. Dude, fuck you, Tate. Just put the show on FX so I can curse at him freely.
1: Yeah, I've been doing a lot of, you, did you ever, you didn't really watch Friends. I, bits and pieces. Mm. You don't know what the, like, do you know what that means? Like the.
0: I know it's a Friends reference. <laughs> Friend is making a gesture right now. Um, and I just made it myself, like, you guys can see me, but, uh, I know!
1: I don't know how to describe it either! When Everyone you, you basically, like, put your fists together twice, and then you just, like, disperse your arms. It's a it's friend's reference. It's for, like, giving the middle finger. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I want to do to Tate right now. It's just, like... Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing to my brother, like, since I've been home. Instead of giving him the middle finger, I-, I just, like, this. And he doesn't get it, and it's really funny.
0: Is that how you wished him a happy birthday?
1: no but definitely the day before i definitely did that to him or something
0: (laughs) i don't know why that's so funny
1: okay so that's that's
0: the tate stuff i mean we just don't like him he's a jerk like just buzz off tate go away i'm glad that april has the wherewithal to know that like she does not need this negativity in her life
1: no but she still loves him sorry she still loves him so like Clearly, like you see it later in the scene where Noah mentions to April that he kind of saw things and she's still like, yeah, but, you know, I don't know.
0: So Will, it's Will's turn with Dr. Charles, basically. And he asks Dr. Charles whether he's seen a resident take his own life before. And Dr. Charles just says he's like 400 doctors take their own lives in a year. It's the most of any profession with my lawyers, coming in like a close second. And Dr. Charles just says, he's like, I don't have evidence to back this up, but I have a strong hunch that it has to do with taking people who have a desire to help and throwing them into a game where the odds are just stacked against them. I, you know, that could be one of it. It's, it's again, everybody is fighting a battle. You know, nothing about. Just could be any multitude of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bryna shut me up go ahead and take it from here
1: yeah so basically Sarah and Connor are talking and they start talking about Dr. Wheeler and Sarah mentions to Connor that Dr. Wheeler apparently came to her twice asking about pills and therapy and she's like you know but that really wasn't what he was asking for he was asking for help and Connor tells her that like she can't save everyone
0: which is so ironic um, coming and- from him by the way
1: yeah I know <laughs> Um, But basically, and so Sarah, just as she's about to explain, like, you know, no, that's not true. um, Basically, all of a sudden, their patient goes into cardiogenic shock. And so they're doing this emergency procedure in the trauma bay, so like the hybrid OR before the hybrid OR. Um, Yeah, but then we go back to Ethan and Will, and basically, they do the MRI on their patient, but of course, it was inconclusive um due to the fact that like the patient was moving around so will's like i want to send him for another one but ethan is pissed and ethan's like no we can't do an mri he's probably gonna have a stroke but this cannot happen we cannot send him for another mri but will's like no i'm you know basically like i'm higher up than you this is what we're doing
0: which by the way like we never see will pull rank ever that was cool
1: i know it's crazy.
0: But also, and I, okay, so I get that, you know, Ethan is motivated right now by his grief, by what just happened and that he's, you know, he's totally shaken, but I feel like this is not too far off from the Ethan that we usually see.
1: I think it's definitely an extreme version. I think, I don't know. I think the Ethan we tend to see is more calm about it or like has a calmer demeanor about things about mm. the way he approaches things. Hmm. I think this is the first time we really see, like, ragey, Ethan. I mean, he was definitely more ragey when he punched Crockett. Okay, but that's, like, a personal thing. Like, right? ragey about something, like, when it comes to a patient. hmm You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so. But then we go back to Connor and Reese, and, like, Connor basically tells Reese that Wheeler came to him, too. And Sarah's like, well, I appreciate that you're trying to make me feel better, but this doesn't. So then we cut to Noah in April, and again we. This is the conversation where Noah's like, "Hey, you know, I saw that things with Tate get a little edgy. But I just want to make sure you're okay." And she's like, "No, like you just really want to make sure that like I, you know, things with Tate are okay. Like I didn't screw it up." And Noah's like, "Well, can you blame me? I mean, the guy's like a three, whatever. I don't know, what,
0: pro receiver whatever, or something.
1: Tate football, whatever Tate's football stats were."
0: I um, would have paid good money to see Noah step to Tate as the little brother and be like, stop messing with my sister. Yeah, that would have been fun. But also,
1: I just love seeing Noah in episodes. Like, I just love Roland. On and this podcast,
0: so. we love and protect Noah Sexton. At all costs. And Roland Buck Third. We love him. Friend of the pod.
1: Yes. Yes. Um. But then we go into this kind of, like, awkward moment because Natalie's been waiting for this bypass machine to help her warm her patient up for, like, ever. And, but Connor needs the, pay, the bypass for his patient. And so, of course, because Connor's patient is a little bit more of an emergency and there are other alternatives for Natalie's patient, Connor gets the machine. And so Natalie's patient's mom is pissed and starts yelling at Natalie. And she's basically like, you're his doctor. You're supposed to fight for his patients. I can't believe you. Why? Blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> so then on the other spectrum, again, we see Ethan on this like war path. Like he is just like set out for blood about going against Will. And he starts venting to Dr. Charles about how, Will's judgment is clouded by what happened, you know, with Dr. Wheeler when it comes in, you know, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, you know, we've already had one casualty today. I will not have another. So Ethan's just going on and on. It's just not a good look for him at all. I
0: I feel like Ethan just can be really abrasive sometimes. And I get the feeling from him that he... I feel like he's always kind of uneasy when he talks to Dr. Charles. Do you get that vibe? Uneasy? Like, how? He is not comfortable talking about feelings. At any time. No,
1: but I, think, but I think he's... I think that's with anybody. Like, unfortunately, I think he's like that with April. I think he's been like that with anybody he tries to open up with. Yeah, that's true. I get it.
0: I... I feel like Ethan's the kind of guy who doesn't believe that things like depression and anxiety are real.
1: Well, you, I mean, obviously you remember like he comes from the military. Mm -hmm. Like he probably has some form of PTSD, although we've never really gotten a diagnosis and had that confirmed. Uh, Which
0: by the way, I'm so glad you brought that up. A listener sent us a link today to a thread on Reddit Uh, talking about chicago fire characters and how they like and whether they have ptsd and it talks a lot about casey and bowden which like guys i was today years old when i learned that there's a chicago fire portion of reddit
1: i yeah i've never thought to go look at one chicago reddit but like there goes my weekend
0: yeah dude there goes our productivity thanks for sending that one um no, but really, it's a whole thread talking about how they wish that they would dive more into PTSD on all three shows, never mind just on fire. But um, I thought it was an interesting read, and my mind is blown that there is one Chicago review. Now it. I need
1: to go find this. Somebody sent it to us?
0: Yeah, somebody sent us a link, Um, and my phone is in on the other DMs? side of the
1: room. Otherwise, what? In our DMs?
0: Uh, no, uh, in our mentions. Or no, maybe it was in our DMs, but it's in our, it's in need our DMs. you to go find this. Yeah, yeah, you I have the phone. Me. I don't have my phone on me, but... Um, it was an interesting read and now i'm 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 intrigued but also kind of scared by when chicago read it because i'm just like oh no another another forum another wealth of information try... yeah
1: i just geez mm-hmm. anyway anyway yeah okay but yeah i definitely want to read that i am we've talked about this I don't know why I'm very intrigued by all things like PTSD especially like PTSD representation on television and yeah yeah. um but no back to the point being why I brought up PTSD I think that's part of the reason why like I feel like soldiers you're just taught not to deal with anything like you're taught in order to survive that you have to kind of let all feelings and emotions and stuff kind of like keep that in the back of your brain because if you let them get to you then you won't survive So I think Ethan still operates with a little bit of that mentality. Yeah.
0: And I mean, they kind of tell us the same thing when we're, you know, training to be lawyers. And it's not healthy. It's not healthy. You know, on our like second day of orientation in law school, they basically sat us down and were like, here's the deal. You know, lawyers have a high rate of substance abuse. They've got a high rate of suicide, a high rate of depression. Look around the room. One in five of you is likely to suffer from one of these at some point in time. Our second day of orientation.
1: I know it's yeah. My best friend, she made it through a week of law school and she was like, I can't do another." She made it through basically like her orientation and like first few days of classes. And she was like, mental health has never been worse. I cannot do this. I cannot go back. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, Oh, okay. I was like at first, cause I was like one of those people. I was like, you should stick out with it. And then like each day got worse and worse. And she was like, I can't do it. I was like, do
0: what you need to do. Like, I am not kidding you at all when I say that my best friend, Amy, who I'm still friends with to this day, we've been friends for 16, 17 years now. She texted me the day, the last day of the bar and legit asked me if I was suicidal because it was such a stressful experience. I I tell people the bar exam was traumatic. It was your whole future rides on that one test.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, crazy.
0: Yeah, there yeah, there there are scars and there's, you know, there's stuff left over from that time of my life. And so I mean, yeah, there's that's why it's important we gotta normalize these things talking about our feelings and all that
1: stuff. Yeah. So basically, Dr. Charles goes in to check on Ethan and Will's patient. Um, and at the same time, kinda simultaneously, Connor realizes in the middle of surgery that like he needs to do a completely different procedure. He doesn't actually need the bypass machine. So he pages Reese and uh, to come meet him in the yard because you know normal things that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, then Natalie Goodwin have a chat. Natalie basically asks Goodwin if she's a monster because she never realized that Wheeler was in pain. And Goodwin's like, "No, like, of course you're not." Like, which I th- I, I I love that moment. Yeah. I don't know why, but I really like that moment. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important to like. And I think kind of in the whole second half of this episode, like, that they realize, like, obviously it's important to check in on your friends. But I also think it's important, just as important to remember that, like, if you do miss something and, like, that it's not your fault. Because right. that's also it's just important to your mental health. That, like, just if I forget to check up on you and, like, text you every week or whatever to see how you're doing – I can't let myself beat up on that because I'm dealing with my own mental health or my own stuff. And like, it's just as important to keep me and myself as healthy and as feeling well as I can, as it is like check in on your friends. So like you can't put all the blame on yourself. I think that that's a really important point that they emphasize a lot in this episode.
0: Thankfully I'm glad they do. Yeah. I mean, it's just important to remember at the end of the day, we are all trying to do our best. And, you know, there's a lot of truth in what a lot of characters say in this episode.
1: Yeah. So Dr. Hill's outside, and he's, like, basically looking at, like, the, the janitors, like, mopping up the sidewalk where Wheeler, of course, landed. And he runs into a friend of Ethan and Will's patient. So Dr. Charles, of course, being Dr. Charles, gets an idea and basically is like, hey, can you come with me? I have an idea. Because of course, you know, again, Charles, Charles being dead, Charles. Also, pre-pandemic <laughs> so, life, right? Yeah. So, Rishi shows up to the OR, and as it turns out, the patient has something called ventricular septal defect from ne- necrosis. Basically, part of the muscle is like dying, and that's why he's having all these issues. And as they're, like, fixing it, and as, like, Connor's, like, pointing it out to her, basically, he tells her, he's like, you know, I know that you feel like you let Wheeler down, like, you missed the signs of him needing help. And he points out, he's like, you know, as doctors, all we can do is learn from that and try not to miss them again. Like, you can't beat yourself up for what happened in the past, but, like, you can affect how things happen in the future. So,
0: Do you think Connor came to terms with his mom's
1: suicide, like, a long time ago? I think so but again they don't really talk about it so I don't know
0: because for him to only think of this from the doctor point of view it I it just I guess it's compartmentalizing really but I yeah I, that's what I, I just wonder if he had accepted it like a long time ago it happened when he was little so I mean who knows.
1: I think it's so hard too because like there's so much of Connor's backstory that I want to fill in the white spaces for. Just very similar I'm very similar to the way we feel about Severide. The like mm-hmm. there's so much backstory I want to fill in the spaces for, but I, it's hard for me to say like what I actually think based on like what I want to happen and what I think based on like context given within the episodes. Like, I want to say yes, that's true. But like, do I believe that just because I have, we've kind of created over our three years of doing the podcast, like a backstory of some sort for Connor by filling in white spaces? Or do I actually believe that given the context of things they've given to us in episodes? I don't know. Yeah.
0: With Connor, it's like, it's equal parts frustrating and fun because like, you know, when we talked about this on the shipping room two weeks ago, last week, last week, last week. August 73rd again. Um, yeah, about, you know, how Connor left. And so we got to kind of fill in the white space. So since he's gone, we get to fill in the white space with whatever we want. It's kind of like Inception, right? But it's also kind of frustrating that we never got anything concrete.
1: Yeah. And it kind of, again, toes that line of something we've always talked about, too, of like, these are procedurals. But, like, how much of the personal do can they give us without breaking the procedural mold completely? Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Will finds out from Maggie that Ethan took their patient to interventional radiology. And, like, as soon as Will basically, like, pushes open the door and is like, stop, (laughs) you, put that down. (laughs) Will has this whole, like, dramatic moment. Um, And basically Will and Ethan get into a shouting match, like, in the outside of the whatever room where they're doing this procedure about to do this procedure. Um, Then all of a sudden Dr. Charles is like, excuse me, pardon (laughs) me. Can I come in please? Like (laughs) open the seat, (laughs) let me in. Um, And so Dr. Charles like brings in the friend and basically as it turns out that like these two kids, they're probably in like middle school, like around like middle school age. Like, they really care about each other on something that's, like, starting to be, I think, a deeper level than, like, friendship.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, It was just really beautiful. I really forgot that that's, like, a whole thing. Um, And so everyone's, like, (laughs) Uh which is one of those moments. Um, Yeah. And so then we see Maggie, and she runs into Dr. Wheeler's dad, who stopped by the hospital, you know, to clean out some of his Dr. Wheeler stuff. Um, And his dad is in the lounge and he's cleaning out Dr. Wheeler's locker. And Maggie's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know you were in here. Like, I'll give you a few minutes. And then all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, Dr. Wheeler's dad's like, well, why did he do it? Um, And they have this kind of like like a really nice moment. Like Maggie mentions about how, you know, some of the magic tricks that Dr. Wheeler used to do and how, you know, it used to bring smiles to the kids on the pizza floor faces. And just like they had just like a really nice moment um and they share a good laugh and it was just it's a really nice moment
0: that question of why is probably one of like the hardest things to reconcile
1: right and you never know unless there's like unless the person left a note that said you know why but like even then I feel like you never know
0: yeah you'll never know I mean you can theorize but Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we did in the weeks after Mark passed. was just kind of like wondering why and piecing as much together as we could. But also for someone to get to that point, which is something that is not touched on quite enough, in my opinion, for someone to get to that point of feeling like there's no way out. I mean, it's a whole other level of hopeless where, I mean, your tank is empty. It's beyond empty. And... Yeah, I mean, again, this is it's the dark places of your brain that nobody goes to because they're so afraid of being judged or alarm bells going off, you know, where, you know, people probably need to talk about it, but they're just afraid to go there. But, yeah, the question of why is a nagging one, and I'm getting so boxy again, stop me.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, like you said, I, it's important, but... Mm-hmm. So basically, as it turns out, Ethan and Will's patient is not really sick. Basically, it was a whole thing where his subconscious turned his desire not to move away into some physical symptoms. Um, And like Dr. Charles even mentioned, kind of offhand, specifically to talk about the patient, but like it really applies to Ethan in this scenario. He's basically like, you know, the funny thing about feelings. We think that if we push them down hard enough, they'll disappear, but that's never really quite the way it works out.
0: This was um, such a, this was like a subtweet in conversation form. Like Charles knew. It was really going. Was. Yeah. This was like at Choi. This was a, su- this was a subtweet.
1: Yeah. And then we go back to April and Tate. Oh, oh wait, but and what
0: about the moment when, uh, Ethan is standing there and Ethan's like, I could have killed him. And Will's like, yeah, but you didn't like first and only time we've ever seen. will take the high road.
1: Uh, yeah. One of the very few. Yeah. We'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we go to April and Tate, and basically they talk, and April goes to find Tate, and who said he was going home, but then also still went to the cafeteria, but whatever. Side note, I don't, I don't get it. Anyway, basically they talk and, like, lay everything out on the table, and she basically tells him, she's like, you know, you're still mad at me for the miscarriage, and, like, you think it was my fault. she's like, I'm not mad at you that you think that, but, like, just be honest with me. And he still really won't say that that's the truth. But they, like I said, they lay everything on a table. And she's like, basically, you know, you want a different kind of woman. Um, and so basically she takes the ring off. And the two of them are donezo.
0: We have to talk about how toxic it is that Tate blames her for the miscarriage. I can't let Tate go free. No, that's, yeah, it's bad. Like, Thank God April can be the bigger woman here and be like, that's fine that you blame me. Moving on. Because that is so fucking toxic. And also, I think she may have some leftover trauma from this relationship that she carried over to Ethan.
1: Well, definitely. And I, something I was going to bring up was, like, just how much April's changed in the last few seasons. Like, the April we see in this season and in this moment is not the same April we saw all of season five. Right. Right nowhere close and i like this version of april a lot more yeah it's almost
0: like april has kind of shrunken into her shell a little bit more over the years
1: yeah and i think it's a very valid point that like probably a lot of it does stem from tate and this relationship because she even start making out at the end of season two Mm -hmm. so like in like four or five episodes from now think about the fact that
0: april basically put herself in harm's way and she risked her health to conceive a baby with ethan and trace that back to the fact that tate blames her for that miscarriage do you want to pull your hair out yet because i sure do
1: yeah it's bad it's it's just bad oh and
0: she says like i don't it's okay that's what you want like that's okay that you blame me but also you know that did some damage and like april did not deserve that hate was the worst in this essay I
1: will I'm done I promise I just (sighs) so Natalie's patient wakes up finally they were able to get his body warm enough he's fine um and the mom apologizes for what she said to Natalie but then Natalie of course is like fine for the moment and then she goes in the lounge and she's not okay she breaks down and Dr. Charles watches her and like he th- hesitates for a second. He like thinks about stepping into the lounge, but he decides against it and kind of decides to let her break down because that actually I think is more cathartic for her. And I think he knows that like, that's what she needs. Mm-hmm. She needs to have that moment where she breaks down. Um, but then we see Dr. Charles leave and he and Goodwin chat and they have this whole chat about how basically Goodwin feels like she failed. Because she says, you know, like when I took this job, I wanted to create an environment where we would never lose someone. Like everyone would look out for each other. I thought I did that, but like clearly I didn't do that because someone did end up killing themselves. And you know, like she goes on this whole thing, um, and Dr. Charles is like, no, again, like it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not. It's not good one's fault. Again, it's nobody. Like it's not anyone's fault that this happened. Um, but yeah, I everyone's inventing. How...
0: I love how she tells Dr. Charles, like, I worry about these people. I really do. I
1: mean, it's a family. Yeah. One, I think, too, I think that's always the interesting dichotomy that I really loved about Goodwin's character. Goodwin, who's supposed to be like, yeah, like, the hospital is a business. Like, let's keep the hospital as a business. You know, like, I got to streamline things. I got to do this. You know, like, we got to keep the hospital as a business. Then also, too, like, you see a lot of times her moments where she has a heart and, like, it may not financially wise be as best for the hospital, but, like, she'll do it anyway because it's the right thing to do and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, so I've always loved that about Goodwin's character.
0: Thank God for Sharon because, I mean, yeah, she, she's that, like, idyllic hospital admin person that, like, you want in a perfect world.
1: Yeah, in a perfect world, for sure. Aside from the fact... They, are very far and few between.
0: Afar from the, aside from the fact that she lets Will and Natalie get away with murder. Not murder, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so then we see Ethan go, and he goes to see Wheeler's body down in the morgue. And he kind of has his own moment, too, of, like, again, breaking down. He apologizes to Wheeler. He's like, you know, I'm so sorry, he like pulls a stethoscope out of his pocket and like lays it on Wheeler's chest. Um, again, Ethan dealing with the things that he put aside all episode and all day, and you know finally like lets it all out. Yeah. Also, Nina sighting. Did it, I totally miss that? I was not clearly paying attention enough. Yep, Nina sighting. Love it. Anyway. Um, and the episode ends and Reese goes to see Dr. Charles and she's basically like, yeah, they're not going to need me in the ED tomorrow. I'm back on your service. And He's like, great. And then she could have left. That could have been it. But she decides to go in and like into his office and like checks on him. And she's like, how are you today? And he's like, honestly, today was awful. And he's like, it just was. Uh-huh. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah yeah
0: i'm glad they made that circle around to sarah asking how dr charles was doing
1: me too yeah
0: because that's important and i mean yeah it's just a simple how are you can go such a long way such a mm-hmm. long way so that's the episode i mean yeah it's a doozy you know it, i mean it and i feel like it's more relevant now than it's ever been Yes. No, like I said, 100 percent. Because there's a lot happening. There is. And I I, I mean, I looked up some stats like before we started recording and this the, the suicide rate in the United States has steadily climbed every year since 2018. And right now in the middle of this pandemic, it's, you know, mental health and suicide. The rates are through the roof. And so, yeah it's important to talk about these things and bring them to the forefront and to take away that stigma and take away the taboo of it all. So, um, yeah, I mean, Brenna, how are you doing mentally in the middle of the pandemic and all this craziness?
1: Um, you know, we were talking a little bit about this before I started recording. I think honestly, if we're talking strictly about pandemic, like COVID and stuff, I think I'm handling it better than a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, just because honestly the cases in like where I like where I am right now in my hometown, they're not as bad as it is in obviously major cities or things like that. Um, so I've still pretty much, I mean, obviously I wear my mask wherever I go, but like I'm living my life as normally, you know, more than I was when I was in DC. Like I still get up, you know, I still go to the grocery store whenever I've still, you know, gone to restaurants. So, like I've done all those things. So I think mentally in that regard, I'm doing okay, but, like, it's also no secret that, like, life has not been really great since my mom passed away in May, so, you know, like, I had a really, like, obviously, it hits me in random moments, but, like, yesterday was my brother's birthday, and even though it wasn't my birthday, it's still, like, I had a whole crying thing when I came home last night, because I was, like, you know. Just, you know, I miss my mom. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, these are completely ridiculous times that we're living in right now. There's no other way to say it. And so I know for me, it's like a daily, it depends on the day, really. Some days I'm fine and this is completely normal. Other days I'm angry and I'm just like, this is not what I freaking signed up for. Like, I don't want to live my life going around avoiding this virus for the rest of my life. Like, no. Mm-mm. And there. I... T-
1: go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish what you're going to say.
0: Well, no. It was, and there are some days where I'm straight up scared. I'm just, you know, I'm really scared for the future. Now, you're you're in a part of your home state that's kind of rural, right?
1: Yeah. There's definitely a lot more rural than it is, like, city. I mean, like, I live in a town that's, like, 40,000, so Mm -hmm. it's not, like, super big. It's also not, like, super tiny, but, like, yeah. And I also, like, for example, like, in my house, like, we live on, like, a huge farm. We live on 150 acres, so, Mm -hmm. like, we literally just, like, aren't around people. Like, I don't have to worry about, like, coming into human contact. Yeah. Really, at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, until I go to work, but then... even then, like, I don't really see that a ton of people. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, and like, I've still gone to, you know, like, I've gone to Zumba classes, like, I'm still trying to live as much my normal life while I can. And like, while we're not being forced, like, all these things are still happening, obviously trying to do them as safely as possible. But I'm trying to give myself some semblance of normal life. uh, Because it is really hard, I think, If I'm not doing all of those things, like, if I'm not being able to go out to restaurants with my family, if I'm not able to go to work, if I'm not being able to go to Zumba, I don't really have much of a life here. Like, that is kind of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, none of my friends really live here anymore. Like, I haven't had, like, I don't have the social stuff that I had when I was living in D.C. and that I loved when I was living in D.C. So I think I'd be even more, like, it's the only way I'm getting through living at home. Um, and so I think if I didn't have those things, like if the pandemic forced me to not have them, I would not be in as much of a good place mm-hmm. as I am. Yeah. But I, when you're talking about, too, like being afraid of things, I think the thing that I think worries me the most, and I try not to think about it a lot, but I think the thing that worries me the most is just like not being able to do the things that I want to do, like what that I wanted to do like the tra- like traveling and you yeah. know like being able to like go back and have like cons again and like like all the things that I really enjoyed doing and like the experiences that I saved money for and all those things like I worry that we're not going to be able to have those again and there are at least in the same way and like that is something I'm really afraid of.
0: Same. I I was going back through my old videos on my phone earlier today and I was having a moment where I was just like, I, you know, I mean, and it was like, okay, my my phone, let's be real. It's like really nothing earthy. It's nothing earth shattering, right? It's like one Chicago memes, a lot of Justin Timberlake and dog pictures and like, that's it. And still going through those videos, like from cons and things like that, I was just like, oh my God, like, I feel like we're never going to get back to this.
1: Yeah, it... It really, you know, and I was having a conversation with somebody, like, a family friend who came in to our office today to, like, chat. Um, we were talking about traveling and the places I would love to go and the things that I wanted to do. And, like, this year especially, like, I had so many places I wanted to go. Like, I wanted – obviously, we're supposed to go to Austin. Um, I wanted to try to go to New York again. Like, we were – our friend group was supposed to go to L.A. this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to try to go on birthright. I really wanted to try to go to Israel this winter, um, you know. All these things that, like, unfortunately, now I can't do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess, you know, on the one side, it is a blessing that, like, I can save up money. And so, like, hopefully when all this is over, you know, I can afford to go on all these things or do even a bigger vacation than all those things, whatever. But I worry that, like, you know, we're not going to be able to do those things. There's going to be a while before we can do those things. And I think I really, honestly, just really more worry about it when it comes to things like ATX. Mm-hmm. Like, I want ATX to say the same so badly, and I hope that, obviously, A, it can happen in ne- June of next year, but, like, B, that it doesn't have to drastically change right, in order for it to happen, because then it won't be the same. Right, right. So, And I know these are so trivial, too, that, like, I'm worried about the, you know, like, I'm scared about the fact that, like oh, I can't go to Austin and, you know, like, we can't go do all these fun, cool, exciting, like, it's such first world problems that, like, we can't, you know, that I'm, that's what I'm worried about and I'm not worried about the fact that, like, I lost my job to COVID and, you know, I can't afford all, like, all those other things that are much more important, but, like, you know, that's what I'm afraid of, you know, that is what our, my reality is and that's what I'm afraid of.
0: And that's uh, you, that, you bring up another important thing too is that you know a lot of people will kind of hesitate before talking about what's going on in their in their minds just because you know they'll say so many people have it worse and you know things it's so trivial compared to what else is going on that does not invalidate your feelings at all right. at all yeah no yeah so I mean you know, you're, you're aware of where you're at in the world and that, you know, we're, you're, we're fortunate to be where we are, but your feelings are not invalidated in any way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, I think too, like, especially, I guess, when we're specifically talking about the pandemic, I mean, I will say, like, I think the pandemic obviously forced me to make some different changes in my life that I was going to make, like, pre-pandemic. Like, my plans pre-pandemic were not to be at home for the next six months to a year. Mm -hmm. But I think has honestly been a blessing that that's kind of the way things happened, especially in the wake of my mom's death, Mm -hmm. just because like it's allowed me that family time that I don't think I would have allowed to happen. if the pandemic hadn't happened. I would have felt like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to go to Raleigh and you know, find a job and like maybe have come home for two to three weeks, but like not really allowed that time to be here and like, be grieving and healing and all the other feelings that I'm feeling simultaneously every other day, every day. Um, And I think the pandemic and like kind of deciding that like, yeah, now's not the time to move to North Carolina and try (laughs) to find a job and all those other things. Like the pandemic's actually allowed that time to happen. And I think, you know, it's really been worth it. And so like there is some bright heads to the pandemic, but you know, it's not much. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so um, if you feel like you're struggling, if there are bad thoughts in your head and you are not comfortable talking about them, there are ways to get help. There are multiple ways to get help. I'm not gonna get all soapboxy on you and be all like, find a therapist, take medication. It worked wonders for me. What works for one people one people, one person might not work for another. And so there are plenty of resources out there just to put this out there. When we say that our inbox is open, we mean it. And when we say our inbox is open, we don't mean that it's just one Chicago stuff. You can talk to us about anything. That is why our inbox is open. So yeah, I just you're not alone. You know, you may feel like you're alone. You're not alone. It's just important to talk about these things. There are resources out there to help if you do feel like you're struggling. Dude, if you're not comfortable having this conversation via social media, DM us, email me any questions. You guys, been there, done that. Mm, I can totally help you. I've done this for friends before. So, I'm not trying to get all soapboxy, even though I keep saying that, but I just want to make sure that we all know it is okay to talk about our feelings. It is okay not to be okay. It is okay to ask for help. It is okay to ask for help. Just want to reiterate that because that's like one of the things they teach us in law school that they're just like, don't ask for help. It's not good. And then we all just internalize it to like every aspect of our life, but It's okay. To feel things. We're human beings. We're built to feel things, right? So yeah. Just yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else, Brianna? I'm like rambling, but also it's like
1: word vomit because I have a lot of feelings. No, I think you I think you said it perfectly.
0: Yeah. And I know a lot of our listeners are younger. Not necessarily and by younger I mean like some of you are high school and college and stuff. Think of me and Bryna
1: as your big sisters. Like, get in touch with us.
0: Also, honestly, I'm probably
1: the same age as a lot of them. Let's be real.
0: Okay, well, think of me as, like, your extremely older sister. (laughs) Yeah. You guys can come to us. Talk to us. You're not alone. You're not alone. And when Goodwin says that she wants to build a community of people where that wouldn't happen, where she wants to look out for each other, guys, that's what this fandom is. Like, we, we look out for each other.
1: Yeah, and that's why we started this podcast.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, so um, yeah, you're, you're not alone, not to quote Dear Evan Hansen, because if I do, I'm gonna cry. But any other notes on this episode or mental health in general, or anything?
1: No, I think that's it.
0: All right, so you guys know where to find us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, meet us at Molly's, right across the board, right across the board. Again, email us anytime about anything, Meet us at mollys at gmail.com. Meet us at mollys at gmail.com. You can follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Brenna?
1: I am at Bryna k 13 If
0: you like the show, which we really hope you do, and you have not turned it off and discussed and been like, Gina was so freaking ranty this week, oh my God. Uh, if you could take a moment to leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to us, that would be so helpful because it does help other shy hearts find the show. Um, Next week, we're doing something different. So we got a suggestion for this episode, and then everybody just kind of seconded it, and we were like, all right, cool, cool. So um, we're going to do an Upstead episode, like beginning to now, all Upstead. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited because I will admit I – definitely have not gone back and i'm not someone who really goes back and rewatches upset moments so i probably haven't seen or thought about a lot of these in a long time so i'm excited but i will say this kind of off of this the fact that we're doing a ship centric episode next week if you have not heard i know we took two weeks off of our own podcast but last week we were on the Shipping Room podcast with our friends Tamar and Christine, talking all things when Chicago ships. Um, we talked about the police brutality stuff a little bit. Christine discovered who LaRoyce Hawkins is. It's it was, amazing. <laughs> it's so good. It's so much fun. Um, so if you haven't checked that out yet, go check that out too. Just want to throw that in there somewhere because yeah. we haven't been on in two weeks. So The Shipping Room. That's the it podcast.
0: There. It's Yeah. We love tomorrow and Christine so so very much. And Christine discovering little race is just like what dreams are made of. But know,
1: everything that came out of Christine's mouth last week was just like Perfection. pure gold. Just pure, just so pure good. gold. So good. It Christine could not doesn't have been any
0: better. Christine doesn't watch One Chicago. And so we would come out with we would be talking about things and then she would be like, Oh, ooh. And then when we talked about Al, she was like, Poor Al. <laughs>
1: it's so funny too because like obviously we pushed it a week because of uh the hurricane and like them losing power and stuff and christine was like you can just record without me we're like no No. we really want to record with christine it turned out so much better because of christine yeah
0: yeah this is yeah and we're doing something fun with the upstead episode guys we're gonna try and incorporate voice memos so um we'll be posting the instructions on how to do that on our twitter um Really all across and Instagram and Instagram. Yeah. We'll post it everywhere. But you guys send us voice memos. We're going to like intersperse them throughout the episode and think of this as kind of like a pilot program, right? We we are probably definitely going to do this for other ships. We're just going to start with Upstead. So um, I'm excited.
1: Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Send us every single
0: one of your favorite Upstead moments because we literally want to talk about every single awesome. one.
1: I will say this. If you're going to send us an upset moment, it would help a ton if you reference the episode it came from. So, like, five thirteen or 6-2, like, that would help us a ton because we're going to have to go back and try to figure out all these episodes and put them in some sort of chronological order, and, like, that would help, like, yeah. immensely. Yeah.
0: So, it's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun one. So... Yes. In the meantime, you guys check on your friends. Please check on your friends. Wash your hands, wear your mask. Take care of yourselves. Take care of others. Have a good weekend and we will see you next week. Bye.